Welcome to Straight Talk Wealth, heard every Sunday morning at 8 a.m. with your experts in all aspects of wealth accumulation, preservation, and income planning guaranteed to last a lifetime. And now, your host of Straight Talk Wealth, Bruce Whiting, on News Talk 1590 KVTA. Tall, big, beautiful, and strong. Very sexy. Hey, good morning, Ventura. I am your host, Bruce Whitey. You've listened to another. You are listening to another edition of Straight Talk Wealth Radio. Heard every Sunday morning at 8 a.m. on 1590 News Talk KVTA here in Ventura. Listen, I've been wanting to do this show for a long time. Let me do very quickly do the intros and tell you, go to our website. If you think today's show is educational, there's a whole world of other stuff out there that we post on our website at straighttalkwealth.com. That's straighttalkwealth.com. Get on our email list out there. We, we put a lot of other educational information out by email. It says something like uh, get on our list or you know, uh, something like that. You put your email in. Go to the page. You'll see it. Hey, today's show, I've been wanting to do this for a long, long time. Uh, it is called Too Big to Fail. It is about the banking system. Could it happen again? Too big to fail. Could it happen again? Now, your guests today, I'll tell you why I'm covering this in a minute. The guests today, the people we're going to hear from, they're not actually here in the studio. I've been trying to get interviews, but uh, sometimes you got to just pull it off of YouTube. Uh, Senator Elizabeth Warren, I got into her book recently, uh, read through it. She has been a clarion, a prophet of what is coming in the banking system before the crash and has been trying to get regulation to occur to prevent another crash and has been fought tooth and nail by the banking industry. Now, interestingly enough, if you don't like Democrats, you like Republicans, we're going to hear from both sides of the aisle today because we're also going to hear from former head of the FDIC, William Isaac, who was the youngest head of the FDIC ever to be put on the job. And I believe Ronald Reagan brought him in. Gretchen Morganson is a New York Times author, a New York Times author of a book called Reckless Endangerment about how Fannie Mae and Freddie Mac actually contributed to the downfall of the market in no way. And what has changed there, because all of this is about could it happen again? Have we changed the system? And you're also going to hear from David Stockman, who is Ronald Reagan's budget director. And interestingly enough, we've got these different Democrats and Republicans, and you know what? They're all on the same page in this show. So you're going to hear about this. Now, why am I covering this? It is not to give you a whole academic discussion about what the government needs to do or how to regulate banks. It is to draw a line as to how financial and economic failures become suddenly systemic. Because if you listen to this show frequently, we are very worried about the things that have not been fixed since 2008. All we did is print a lot of money and cover up a gaping hole that we feel is still a liability in our economy and in our system. Now, I'm covering today how much of a role the banking system plays in these failures, because whether the the overinflated, false, bogus asset of wealth is stocks, as they were in the 1930s, or real estate, as it was in 2008, which is the basis of the bubble, it goes code red once it hits the banks. And and whether the whole system is taken down has to be explored first off by the risk of the banking system. So we're going to explore that risk today and ask if we are still at risk and how much has changed. We're going to hear from some great, great people. Now, 
if you listen to this show before, you know that I'm very forward about the fact that, look, it is an infomercial. We're trying to get people interested in the things we do and how we can protect them from the next crash and how they can make 7 to 10 to 12 to sometimes 20% growth without risk of loss in the next downturn. But I'm going to tell you, today I'm dedicating this show to, to being an educational show. And I don't think it's going to be so popular at the end of the day. But if you call in to 888 Triple eight 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 two five five seven eight. That's triple eight 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 two five five seven eight. You're still going to get free stuff today. Okay, I'm just giving free stuff out because when we do a show, I try to give follow up information. You're going to get my free report called "Inflation or Deflation: America's Monetary System in Crisis and How to Plan for It," and it goes into the same material in beautiful picture form of what caused the crash in 08 and what is still lingering and whether it's going to cause inflation or deflation. So we'll give that away. But the point is, uh, and I got another $27 book I'll tell you about in a little bit that you also get when you call 888-882-5578. But I'm not going to be huckstering a product. Uh, I'm not going to be huckstering a strategy or a solution today. We barely have time to fit the clips in that I just want to do to enlighten you about the banking crisis. So I will intermittently be giving the number away. You should call in, should get those materials If you order those materials, it's free to you. It lets me know that this kind of an educational show is preferred over hitting you in the face with some big threat. So you'll call in and respond to the infomercial. I'd rather do the educational shows. But the funny thing is we get more calls off of infomercials. So call in today, get your freebies, and we'll do more of these educational shows. All right. So I want to start with Elizabeth Warren. I just got through reading her book called Fighting Chance. Um, there's a great 60 minutes I saw back in, I think, 08 and 09 about how she was a regulator trying to call the alarm on the banks and no one would listen to her. What she's going to start out telling you about is how we fix the system after the Great Depression to protect ourselves from banks. And then we pulled it back apart and what that pulling apart meant in the crash of 08. Here we go. Senator Elizabeth Warren. Think of it this way. We come out of the Great Depression. We put tough new banking regulations in place. It works for about 50 years. We build a strong middle class starting in the 80s, starting with the Reagan administration. Uh, deregulation becomes the watchword of the day. Right. And there's less and less it oversight. Through the administration. It continues through the Clinton right. years. It continues. It continues. But, and then what happens is they have now sold the large banks enough toxic mortgages uh, to bring down literally millions of families and they packaged them and sold them out into the economy into pension mm-hmm. funds and all kinds of other yeah, places you know, you make an interesting to point. bring it all yeah, down. You make an interesting point because we thought of the crisis as about shaking the financial system to its core. Mm-hmm. It was shaking lives to its core. Oh, that's the reminder. You know, all the way through this book, I talk about the big banks. I talk about after the crisis, how it was that they fought back against the regulation. Do you know at one point they were spending more than a million dollars a day in order to lobby against financial regulation? And this was after the American people had already bailed them out. But what was at the core of this and what I talk about in here were the families who just got slammed. You know, easy credit and then could afford it. it. It was worse than easy credit. That's what the economic crisis of 2008 meant. It was, it was people, like this, this retired woman who lost her house and at least for a while ended up in her car because some banker made quota by calling her and selling her an exploding mortgage. 
Okay, now I'm going to go back to this interview in a minute on Charlie Rhodes with Elizabeth Warren. But here's a theme you're going to hear through almost all the speakers today, which is when there is no pain, meaning criminal or penalties for what brings a whole system down, then there is no change and there's no innovation. So I want to set the scene here. You need to understand what you're going to hear about today. There's there are two essential risks in in what is continued in the banking system. One is that the basics have not changed in the banking sector. They can still be playing games with your money. And commercial banks uh, are acting as investment banks. Glass-Steagall, as she spoke about there, put a wall between the Morgan Stanleys and the Bank of America. That wall was torn down actually in the Clinton days. So the problem is we have not closed back up the Glass-Steagall firewall. Secondly, quantitative easing, which is the result and the fix of these failures, is creating unsustainable bubbles that reinflate. Now, the banks have not changed. So they, again, get to re-leverage into the next bubble like they did in the last bubble. And they have not been prevented from leveraging into the very bubble that was blown back out of the last bubble. So we now are chewing on double bubble, I guess, in this economy. And that's the threat of it. So what we're going to talk about here is let Elizabeth Warren go back into what has not changed and, and what, what happened when she tried to change the system. I, I totally agree. I mean, and not only that, I mean, I know people who ran small businesses. I, I- talk about this in the book and I talk about small business lending because you know what really gets me about that story that was happening when the United States taxpayers were shoveling money into these huge financial institutions to stabilize them and here was the big mistake doing it on a no strings attached basis so the money came in from the taxpayers and the big financial institutions we were told would turn around and lend it to the small businesses would turn around and help people like the homeowners who were in trouble instead they held on to it. You know what some of them did with the money? They bought other banks. They expanded their reach rather than using that money to help heal the American economy. Today, those big financial institutions that we were told in 2008 were too big to fail, today they're 38% bigger than they were back then. Clearly that's what happened because of uh, all the things that we talked about during those years, and especially in 2008, uh, and what had happened and ter- derivatives and all the other kinds of things happened. It- As I make clear, when there was only so much time and so much money to go around, they saved the largest financial institutions. They did not, they did not focus on American families and small businesses. So um, we're now talking about not the banks who made the loans. We're now Mm -hmm. talking about what happened when we had a financial disaster that affected everything. Yep. What should they have done? They should have put that money into the banks with strings, strings attached. Let me put it this way. Whenever a big corporation gets into financial trouble outside this this crisis, when a big financial corporation gets into trouble and new money comes along to be put in, whether the company ends up going through Chapter 11 or not, the new money always says there have to be changes here. What kind of changes? You wipe out the old shareholders. You make the old debt take a haircut. You change the management and you make sure they've got a new and different business plan. Why? Because it disciplines that company to run a different kind of organization and it's a signal to everybody else. It says, listen CEOs, if you run your business so that you're going to need outside money, then it's going to be your job that's going to be on the chopping block. That didn't happen in the bailout in 2008. Basically, Henry Paulson, followed by Tim Geithner, said, take our money 
please. Have you never met a banker you like? I've met lots of bankers I like. I mean, do you think everybody on Wall Street is part of the problem? Look. I mean, they because that's one of the things they'll say to me. They say, I hear all this time. I mean, there's, you know, there's a lot of things that we're trying to do. Yes, we're trying to make a profit. But it is not as brutish as Elizabeth Warren would make us. Well, all I can say is they continue to fight the regulations. They continue to fight to create as many loopholes as they can in everything that but gets that written. that happens in every industry, doesn't it? And I mean, it, that, and, that doesn't and make it better, the No, it doesn't. I know. Of course it does. But I'm just saying the money that talks for financial institutions also talks uh, for automobile companies. It talks for a whole range of other companies, pharmaceuticals. But that goes... Oil. Absolutely. That you know, goes back it, to the heart. Because it's money talks in politics and in Washington. That's the, they have heart, to get elected. that's the heart of why I wrote A Fighting Chance, because we now have in Washington concentrated money, concentrated power, making its voice heard day after day after day on issue after issue after issue. And you're exactly right. It's not just in banking. That's where I experienced it up close and personal and talk about it. But it happens across a range of industries. And ordinary families, regular families, hardworking people across this country are playing on a playing field that is increasingly tilted against them. Good morning. You're listening to Straight Talk Wealth Radio here on 1590 KVTA in Ventura. I am your host, Bruce Whitey. We're here every Sunday morning at 8 a.m. Listen, today we are talking about a show. Our show today is about too big to fail, the banks. Could it happen again? You're going to hear from Elizabeth Warren, former FDIC director William Isaac, Gretchen Morganson of the New York Times. You're going to hear from David Stockman. Now, why am I covering this? It is not to give you an academic discussion of what the government needs to do or how to regulate banks. It's to draw a line for you because here's the thing. We believe that these markets could be poised to crash again later in this decade. And it's going to go back up before it'll get better before it gets worse. It always takes a lot of stabs at the top before things finally fall out and a bubble bursts. But the point is, I want to draw a line here as to how frail the financial system might seem if you understand how banks tie into these asset bubbles. It is the tying into the banking system that makes failures become suddenly systemic. And we're looking at how much a role the banking system plays in these failures because, as I said before, bubbles can burst, but it goes code red when it hits the banks. Now, um, this is an educational show. It's not going to be so popular at the end of the day. Again, uh, we'll talk more about the two major risks that the banking sector's uh, causing, but I want you to let me know that you enjoy this content by letting by accepting some free materials from us. So, when you call 888-882-5578, 888 that's 888 5578. You're going to get my free report called Inflation or Deflation, America's Monetary System in Crisis and How to Plan for It. It is about a 45-page report illustrated that talks about the banking failure we expected in 08. What are the frailties going forward? And will they cause inflation or deflation? And listen, if you get that issue wrong, inflation or deflation, every bet that you do, whether it's gold, stocks, real estate, will those bets will be for naught. You better get your wits wrapped around how inflation deflation works. So I'm going to give you that report for no charge, no obligation. I'm also going to throw in, I called Barnes and Noble. I said, hey, Harry Dent's new book, The Demographic Cliff, which is another concern we have about a bubble bursting, which is the shift in demographics. You've got to read Harry Dent's material and understand demographic pressures on bubbles. Uh, that's $27.90 at Barnes and Noble. I'll give it to you for free and hardback today, but you got to call 888-882-5578, 888-882-5578. Okay, let's get back to content. That's 
888-528-8825578. Okay, that was Elizabeth Warren. I now want to talk about David Stockman because this Republican totally agrees with the Democrat. So David Stockman uh, is a former budget director for Ronald Reagan. Uh, he has an incredible book. He's very against all this money printing. But I want to listen. Have you listened to what he said about the banking system? Because it kind of echoes what Elizabeth Warren was saying. And this is from the uh, Bill Moyer show. Um, when you look at what came out of uh, 208, the only thing that came out of 208 was a stabilization of these giant uh, Wall Street banks. Uh, nothing came out of 208 that really helped uh, Main Street. Nothing came out of 208 that addressed our fundamental problems that we've lost a huge uh, swath of our middle-class jobs. Nothing came out of 208 that made financial discipline or fiscal discipline possible. It was uh, justified as sort of expediency. We need to do this. We need to stop the contagion. But it wasn't thought through as to what the long-term implications of this would be. So then in this clip, David Stoppin continues with how the contagion in the banking system grows and how a banking system spreads contagion of uh, risk. What do you mean by the free money that banks are using uh, overnight? Well, by that we mean when the Fed, uh, Federal Reserve uh, sets the so-called uh, federal funds rate at 10 basis points, where it is today, that more or less guarantees banks can go into the Fed window, the discount window, and borrow at 10 basis points. And then you take that money and you buy a government bond that is yielding 2% or 3% or buy some corporate bonds that are yielding 5%. Or if you want to really get aggressive, buy some Australian dollars that have been going up or buy some cotton futures. Um, And this is really what has been going on in our markets. The cheap funding, which is guaranteed by the Fed, the investment of that cheap funding into speculative assets, and then pocketing the spread. And you can make huge amounts of money as long as the music doesn't stop. And when the music stops, then all of a sudden the cheap overnight money dries up. This is what's happening in Europe today. This is what happened in 2008. And then people are stuck with all of these risky assets and they can't fund them. They owe cash to the people they borrowed uh, overnight from or uh, on a weekly basis. That's what creates the so-called contagion. That's what creates the downward spiral. Now, unless we let those burn out, uh, it'll be done over and over. In other words, if, uh, you know, if, they, if a lesson isn't learned, then the uh, error will be repeated over and over. Right. So what he's talking about here is he's talking about the bad debts that accumulate in an asset bubble. And you have to let those burn out. Now, what the these get so big and the banks get so tied in with them that there's two things that have to happen. One is your regular, you know, I don't care if you want to quote bank investment bank down at Morgan Stanley or something, because you know, that's, you know, that's investment banking risk. But the problem is the federal government, the, the banking system, the walls came down, the whole system gets into it. So then it really collapses. And then the federal government decides we can't suffer this pain. And where there's no pain, there's no change and no innovation. And that's what we're still seeing today is two very inherent risks that have been caused that have not changed from the last banking crisis. One is that the basics have not changed in the banking sector. They can still be playing games with your money again. And the commercial banks are acting as investment banks because we haven't closed back up the Glass-Steagall firewall. Glass-Steagall was the act that put a firewall between the different types of banks and their functions and insurance companies and investments. They put those firewalls up after the Great Depression. And that was the name of the act that passed that put that law in place. But under Clinton, Glass-Steagall got pulled apart. It was done. And that led to how the banking crisis once more got into another asset bubble. Now, that's bad enough. But then when we 
quantitative ease, which is the result and the fix of these failures, which arguably is a fix, it's creating new unsustainable bubbles that rely on more and more money printing in order to stay there. And we've reinflated these bubbles, and the banks have not changed. So now the banks can re-leverage, now that they didn't die when they should have, they can re-leverage into the next bubble and have not been prevented from leveraging into the very bubble that was blown back out of the last bubble. And I said before, we are now chewing Don double bubble in this economy. We've got literally banks that should have failed and cleaned out that debt, did not wash. And as David Stockman said, unless we let those burn out, we, we keep doing it again. Instead, we reinflated a toxic bubble to let banks further invest into further what is now the stimulus bubble. Look, you want to know how to fix it? Call 888 because the specialty of this show has always been that we look at how can you stay safe. And we've presented numerous options of maybe six to 7 to 10 to 12 and sometimes 20% growth without risk of loss in the next downturn that would not be affected by these bubbles rebursting. That's our emphasis here. I'm not telling you get all out of stocks and to leave your broker. Stay in the bubble. Stay in the game if you know when to get in and get out. But most of America, the crime has been for the last several decades that Wall Street has marketed them into putting all of their savings into investments that are at risk. And that's what the show is about today. You'll learn more about that when you get my free report called inflation or deflation, America's monetary system in crisis, and how to plan for it. We will also give you for free Harry Dent's new book, 2790, I think, value over at Barnes & Noble. We're giving it away for free. It's called The Demographic Cliff, How to Survive the Next Great Deflation from, I think, 2014 to 2019. you got to call 888-882-5578. 888-882-5578. This is an educational show today. It is not going to be so popular at the end of the day unless I see we get a lot of calls asking for this information. I will go back to doing the usual, let's disturb people and give them a pitch. Uh, the numbers, sorry, I'm being blunt, you know. So, again, the number is 888 888-882-5578. 888-882-5578. Got a bunch of free stuff for you. Let's get back into a little bit more uh, David Stockman on the um, Bill Moyer show. Speculation has gone too far. The his, history has always been, and this is why we had Glass-Steagall and a lot of the legislation in the 1930s. Glass-Steagall was the provision the that... Division of banks between the commercial uh, banking and investment banking and insurance and other... So that you, the banker, could not take my deposits and gamble with them, right? That's exactly right. And uh, we need uh, not only a reinstitution of Glass-Steagall, but even a more serious limitation on banks. And what I mean by that is that if we want to have a way for... Um, you know, average Americans to save money without taking big risks and be uh, not be worried about the failure of their banking institution, then there can be some narrow banks who do nothing except to take deposits, make long-term loans or short-term loans of a standard business variety without trading anything, without getting into all of these exotic derivative instruments, without putting huge balance. leverage on their balance sheet. And we need to say simply that if you're a bank and you want to have deposit insurance, which ultimately, you know, is backed up by the taxpayer, if you want to, if you're a bank and you want to have access to the so-called discount window of the Fed, the emergency lending, then you can't be in trading at all. Now, on the other hand, if they want to be a hedge fund, then they got to raise risk capital and they have to take the consequences of their risks both to the good side and the bad side. And until we really approach that issue, and dismantle these giant multi-trillion dollar balance sheet uh, banks, 
uh, and separate uh, retail and deposit insured banking from just financial uh, companies, we're going to have recurring bouts of what we had in 2008. And they haven't even begun to address that, and it's so disappointing to see that the Obama administration, which, you know, in theory should have had more uh, perspective on this than a Republican administration under Bush, to see that, one, they appointed in the key positions the same people who brought the problem in, Geithner and Summers and all of those, and secondly, that Obama did nothing about it. It could have easily, they could have um, begun to dismantle a couple of these lame duck institutions. Citibank would have been a good place to start. But they did nothing. They passed Dodd-Frank, which said, now we're going to have everybody write regulations, tens of thousands of pages, uh, that, uh, you know, is a full employment act for accountants and lawyers and consultants and lobbyists. But they didn't go to the heart of the problem. If they're too big to fail, they're too big to exist. And let's start right with that proposition. You're listening to Straight Talk Wealth Radio on 1590 KVTA in Ventura. The, t- the show today is called Too Big to Fail. Could it happen again? We are featuring Elizabeth Warren, Senator Elizabeth Warren, former FDIC chairman, William Isaac, Gretchen Morgan of New York Times, and former budget director for Ronald Reagan, David Stockman. Why am I covering this today, okay? I'm covering it not to give you a whole academic discussion on what the government needs to do or how to regulate banks. It is to draw a line for you very simply on an issue that I think is very important to cover because I believe that quantitative easing has created tremendous risk in our, in our economy. And it is the fix for the banking failure. However, it has created unsustainable bubbles that have to depend on more money printing to stay inflated. Now, the banks haven't changed, so they continue to re-leverage into new bubbles when they never deleveraged out of the old bubbles because they were saved by just giving money. And that, if you can't get that message from these speakers, listen, I'll do another thing. When you call 888-882-5578, 888-882-5578. I got a lot of people call in and say, you know, I only heard a little bit of the show. And, um, oh, you know, I, I wish I could have heard the whole thing. I'll, get, I'll send you a CD of the entire show today so you can catch the whole thing. If you just heard a little blurb, you got to call 888-882-5578. I will send you this entire show today on CD. I will also send you my report called Inflation or Deflation, America's Monetary System in Crisis and How to Plan for It. I will also send you Harry Dent's 2790 book from Barnes & Noble. I'm going to send it for free. It's hardcover called uh, the Demographic Cliff, How to Survive the Great Deflation of 2014 to 2019. We are doing this because we... We are all for stick with your advisor, do your diversified pie charts of stocks and mutual funds. But at the end of the day, we feel that very strongly there should be room in your portfolio to figure out how to stay safe with maybe six to ten. And we, you, last few weeks we've been presenting certain asset classes that have no risk of loss in the next downturn, aren't correlated whatsoever to quantitative easing, that have a history of, let's just say, 12 to 14%. So all those options are there. You'll learn about them when you order our materials from Straight Talk Wealth Radio. The number to get those free materials is 888-882-5578. 888-882-5578. That's 888 888- Eight eight two five five seven eight. I want to play two more clips by former Reagan budget director David Stockman. And then I am going to go into um, Gretchen Morganson, who wrote a very interesting book about how Fannie Mae and Freddie Mac also brought down the financial crisis and how that has not changed either. Fascinating, because this is all about too big to fail. Could it happen again? Where is the shame? Shouldn't these people have been at least a little ashamed of running the economy and the financial system into the ditch and then saying, come lift me out? Yes. 
You know, I think that's part of the problem. I started uh, on Capitol Hill in the 1970s. And as, as I can vividly recall, corporate leaders then at least were consistent. They might have complained about big government, or they might have complained about the tax system, but there wasn't an entitlement expectation that if uh, financial turmoil or upheaval came along, that the Treasury or the Federal Reserve or the FDIC or someone would be there to back them up. That would have been considered, um, you know, it would have been considered, as you say, shameful. Uh, and somehow, over the last 30 years, the corporate leadership of America has gotten so addicted to their stock price by the hour, by the day, by the week, that they're willing to support anything that might um, keep the game going and uh, help the system in the short run avoid a hit to their stock price and to the value of their options. That's the real problem today. And as a result, there is no real political uh, doctrine, uh, ideology left in the corporate community. They're, they are simply pragmatists who will take anything they can find uh, and run with it. There have been so many bailouts. There has been so much uh, abuse uh, and misuse of government, government power for private uh, ends and private gains that now we have an entitled class in this country that is far worse than, uh, you know, remember the welfare queens that uh, Ronald Reagan used to talk about. We now have an entitled class of Wall Street financiers and of corporate CEOs who believe the government is there to do what is ever necessary if it involves tax uh, relief, tax incentives, tax cuts, loan guarantees, Federal Reserve, market intervention and stabilization, whatever it takes in order to keep the game going and their stock price moving upward. Uh, that's where they are. Hey, are you starting to hear a theme? Have you starting to hear that the theme of maybe the basics have not changed in the banking system? That maybe this firewall, and by the way, there is a resurrection of the Glass-Steagall Act. It was brought about into Congress by a, a joint bill by Elizabeth Warren and John McCain back in July. And it's in subcommittee. And oh, man, there's this website I went to to find out where it went. And they said, oh, it's got a 3% chance of getting out of subcommittee and a 1% chance of passing. So nice try. But the fact of the matter is there's so much lobbying by these banks that have not changed their system. And I'm not telling you we haven't gotten some ethics to, to start to happen in the area, but the system has not been changed. And if the system doesn't change, the temptation and the rewards of being risky will be too great to restrain themselves. And so you not only have bubbles that have been regenerated by quantitative easing, which we're going to talk more about in a minute, but now you also have um, banks able to jump right into the next bubble because nothing's changed. Here's more on uh, what David Stockman and Bill Moyer had to say about it. This is a serious situation, is it not? I think it is, and um, but we also have to recognize the pessimism that the public reflects in the, in the surveys and polls is warranted. In other words, the public isn't being unduly pessimistic. It's not been overcome with some... Uh, kind of false wave of emotion. No, I think the American public sees very clearly the current system isn't working, that uh, the Federal Reserve is basically working on behalf of Wall Street, not Main Street, that Congress is owned lock, stock, and barrel by one after another after another special interest. And they logically say, how can we expect, uh, you know, uh, anything good to come out of this kind of process that seems to be getting uh, worse? So um, how do we turn that around? Uh, I think it's going to take, unfortunately, a real crisis 
before maybe the decks can be cleared. What I, would that look like? It will take something even more traumatic um, than we had in September 2008. But on the basis of the record, the lessons of the past, the experience you have just recounted and are writing about, do you see any early signs that we might turn the ship from the iceberg? No, I think we've learned no lessons. We really have not restructured our financial system. The big banks that existed then that were too big to fail are even bigger now. The top six banks then had seven trillion of assets. Now they have nine or ten trillion. Rather than uh, go to the fundamentals, uh, which um, have been totally neglected, uh, we've simply kind of papered over the current system and continued the game of having the Federal Reserve and the Treasury, if necessary, prop up all of this, uh, all of this uh, leverage and speculation, which isn't helping the economy. And, and when we talk about zero interest rates, that's not helping Main Street. Our problem in this economy is not our interest rates are too high. The zero interest rates are just more fuel for uh, leverage speculation for what's called the carry trade. And uh, that is uh, causing uh, windfall benefits to a few, but it's leaving the fundamental problems of our economy um, in worse shape than they've ever been. Okay, I just got one minute to tell you. I'm going to give you some free stuff that's really going to help you get your wits wrapped around this and what to do about it. Very, very valuable kit. This is probably $35, $40 worth of free stuff. The first book is uh, Harry Dent's book called The Demographic Cliff, How to Survive the Next Deflation, Great Deflation of 2014 to 2019, $27.90 value. You'll get it for free when you call 888-882-5578, 888-882-5578. You will also get my free report called Inflation or Deflation, America's Monetary System in Crisis and How to Plan for It. And in that report, I actually give you a strategy on how to manage both concerns, inflation and deflation, in a single in a single single strategy. 888-882-5578. I will also throw in the full CD copy of this show here. Uh, might be a separate mailing because we've got to get produced up. But we'll get the CD to you so you can hear this whole show if you've only heard a portion of it. 888-882-5578. 888-882-5578. If you don't call in, I have no way of knowing if you like this educational format. And maybe I should just go back to infomercials. Uh, call me and order the goods and let me know you like this style. 888-882-5578. I'm going to go into Gretchen Morganson. She wrote a great book about Fannie Mae and Freddie Mac's involvement in the financial crisis. Uh, it is called Reckless Endangerment. And uh, let's get into that interview where she was also on Bill Moyers. One of journalism's premier business reporters is with me now. Gretchen Morganson won the Pulitzer Prize for her fearless exposés of Wall Street's dirty secrets and reckless behavior. In her Fair Game column for the New York Times, she digs into some of the most disturbing and complex scandals of our time. Her recent book with Joshua Rosner on crony capitalism at Fannie Mae is called Reckless Endangerment, How Outsized Ambition, Greed, and Corruption Led to Economic Armageddon. Welcome. Thanks, Bill. You just heard David Stockman say it could happen again. Do you think it could happen again? It will happen again. And the unfortunate fact is we did not fix the problem. The Dodd-Frank legislation, which was supposed to be the fix-it for the enormous crisis that erupted in 2008, failed in so many ways to really address the major issues, the most important being too big to fail. Did virtually nothing to cut these big and impossible-to-manage banks down to size. Listening to both David Stockman and you, after what we've been through since 2008, the millions of lost jobs, the millions of foreclosed homes, the people whose pensions have been shrunk, you both are saying not only can it happen again, but it will happen again. I mean, I have to tell you, it boggles my mind. When I was living through it, 
watching it in terror, literally at my desk at the New York Times, because it really was on the precipice. There we were. I thought to myself, we will address this, because this is so frightening and so scary and so damaging to this country. And I thought, we will address it, because this is the big one. This is the big crisis that we've been leading up to. Long-term capital management didn't really destabilize the system. The internet bubble didn't really destabilize the system. This was the big one. And yet, the response was so lame and so ineffectual that it absolutely will happen again. Well, that's the name of today's show. It is called Too Big to Fail, Can It Happen Again? And I'm beginning to feel like there's a consensus in the room. Uh, You've heard Senator Elizabeth Warren. You've heard David Stockman. Now you're hearing Gretchen Morganson. Uh, Let's go into the next phase of Gretchen Morganson's story about uh, how Fannie Mae and Freddie Mac contributed to the crisis. What did you learn about crony capitalism in doing reckless endangerment based upon the mortgage industry business? What I learned was going back in time and examining Fannie Mae. And as you know, that's the company that doesn't make mortgages, but it buys mortgages and it um, uh, guarantees them. So it is a huge player in this business. That was the, really the quintessential crony capitalism, that company. They learned how to manipulate their regulator, to neutralize their regulator, to manipulate Congress, throw money around. They really told, almost showed Wall Street how to do it. They gave them a playbook. And what they did was they wrapped themselves in the American flag of home ownership so that they were impervious from any critics. Fannie Mae, who used its implicit government guarantee for its own purposes, it, it was able to borrow money at a far cheaper rate than any other financial right. company. And that subsidy, it took one-third of that, billions of dollars every year, for itself. So it really taught Wall Street how to uh, be the quintessential you know, crony capitalists, how to use your um, influence, how to use your money to um, buy protection for yourself on Capitol Hill and to manipulate the dialogue so that there were no critics, no criticism of what you do. This whole idea of this financial services industry having to be protected. Now, of course, we know that Fannie and Freddie are into the taxpayer for $150 billion and no end in sight. So we know how that movie ends. And yet that is the practice and it continues. You're listening to Straight Talk Wealth Radio here on 1590 KVTA. Hey, are you guys enjoying this? I mean, is this good information for you? Then let me know by getting free stuff from me. That's how you let me know you want to continue to hear more of this kind of content. Uh, as I mentioned earlier, a lot of times I just got, got to get on. I just pitch something that is commercially viable for us, and we get you to call in and respond, and, and we talk about your investments. Here I'm laying back. I'm just trying to give you a good educational show, and the way you can show that that you appreciate that is you want to call 888-882-5578, 888-882-5578. That's also 888-8-TALK-STRAIGHT, 888-882-5578. And we're going to give you some free stuff. So show that you appreciate us doing this content by taking some free stuff from me, okay? Is that really hard? <laughs> no, we get great comments. I love talking to you guys. I love hearing back from people. And so many people do call us back. We're going to give you my free report called Inflation or Deflation, America's Monetary System in Crisis and How to Plan for It. It is an illustrated report, 45 pages long. I wrote it so a high school sophomore could understand it. And it gives in there a strategy to manage both inflation and deflation in a portfolio in a single strategy. We're going to give you Harry Dent's book, 2790, down at Barnes & Noble, called 
uh, the demographic cliff, which some we didn't even get into today, but a fascinating subject of how demographics influence trends in economy, in economies uh, that you will also get when you call 888-882-5578, 888-882-5578. I'll also throw in the CD of this full show because everybody always says, I only heard a little bit. I wish I heard more. And I'm like, okay, well, uh, let's get you the whole CD so you can hear the whole show again. 888-882-5578. I now want to feature William Isaac. He is the former head of the FDIC. Uh, go check his website out at William Isaac. That's A-S-A-A-C. WilliamIsaac.com. This gentleman had a very enlightened viewpoint in a book that he wrote, uh, which was called Reckless no, excuse me, that was Gretchen's book. His book was called Senseless Panic. And in this, he talked about that we never needed to panic in this whole crisis. This was a man that oversaw the SNL crisis in the 1980s as the president of the FDIC. He has unraveled many banks. And his viewpoint was you protect the depositors as the FDIC is supposed to do, but you don't make banks uh invulnerable you don't you don't back up everything they do you let them die maybe slowly maybe you unwind them but you get rid of them if they screw up and this is a man that's unwound a lot of banks uh in the snl crisis very different than what we actually did and and what you're hearing today is what we actually did continued the risk of the system in fact built it up even greater because the risk is two things one we still don't have a firewall between investment banks and commercial banks we have not put Glass-Steagall up. That's a serious threat to what banks do when they get your money, what they do with it. Secondly, we've created quantitative easing to blow back up a bubble that should have washed away. As David Stockman said, if you don't let this stuff wash out, then it, the, the, nothing changes. So we build it back up with quantitative easing. That's created new bubbles. So if now we have new bubbles and banks are leveraging further into these new bubbles again, oh my God, where are we by the next time this one breaks? So Anyway, what you heard Gretchen talk about was Fannie Mae and Freddie Mac's involvement, uh, and she said nothing has changed. I want to get a take from the former head of the FDIC, William Isaac, on uh, Fannie Mae. Fannie, you know, you and I'm talking about, those guys. Here to talk more about it, William Isaacs, former chairman of the FDIC from 1981 to 1985, now a senior managing director and global head of financial institutions for FTI Consulting, Corporate Finance, and Restructuring. Bill, it's great to have you back on America's Forum. It's good to be back. So, Mel Watt, in his new role with Fannie and Freddie, trying to keep those organizations in business, should we perpetuate the role of these giant government-sponsored enterprises? I don't think so. I, I think they're, we're, we're the only major country in the world that has these enterprises, and everybody else uh, seems to be doing just fine without them. Um, there's no question in my mind that, that Fannie and Freddie uh, were huge contributing uh, factors in the in the financial collapse we had in 2008 2009 and we desperately need to reform them i think that the consensus for reform seems to be falling apart though well let's let's drill down some on the notion of reform bill because reform is one of washington's favorite retreaded terms but if we were talking about genuine fannie and freddie reform what would it entail well in my mind it would be getting rid of them yeah, hey, man, that would be abolition, and a lot of us it, would like well, to see it'd be, that. It'd be winding them down. Okay. Uh, we, we can't do everything at once, but but it seems to me that uh, a, a relatively simple way to wind them down is to keep on lowering 
the size of loans that they could deal on. I think right now they're up somewhere around seven hundred fifty thousand dollars. I would I would lower that uh, by perhaps a hundred thousand a year and, until they really they really have no authority to be dealing uh, with uh, guaranteeing these loans anymore. It, it I believe the private sector can can take care of this quite well, with with the possible exception and, and with uh, of subsidized housing, where we really do you know maybe for veterans, maybe for other folks, we really want to have a subsidized housing program. If that's the case, then the Congress ought to <clears throat> do that online, uh, authorize the subsidies. Uh, have a budget for it and and uh, hold people accountable. I, I do know that uh, the Obama administration said shortly after the crisis, and that has been their position all along, is that we we really need to do some major reforms of Fannie and Freddie. They said that was a priority. Uh, that and, and I think that one of the reforms they, they talked about was winding them down. But I would tell you that what what happened in the Senate yesterday was that they they had a number of of, of Democrat senators who did not support the bill. And because they they are saying that that we need to subsidize housing, and and they were talking about going back to the old day, the bad old days, lower down payments, uh, uh, lower interest rates, making it more possible for more Americans to own housing, and and I, you know, that hasn't worked in the past. It, it led to the to this massive crisis we had, and here they are. They want to do it again. Yeah, that's a and very so, scary thing, Bill. Okay, well, we know, you know what, if you failed and there's no penalty and there's no pain, there's no change and no innovation. So I want to go back to the Gretchen Morganson interview real quick, and let's talk about what pain has been inflicted on those who made these mistakes so that we can move ahead and learn. Since you've been covering capitalism, business, and finance, what's been the biggest change you've seen? Previously, I believe that bankers that presided over this kind of a train wreck um, would have wandered away from the scene tail between their legs, uh, ashamed, or the regulators would have cleaned house, fired the management, um, clawed back their compensation. We've seen none of that in 2008. Did the U.S. government replace any of these managements? No. Did the U.S. government claw back any of the money that these people made when the boom was going on, which we now all know was a phony boom, and so therefore that was phony money that they earned during those years? We also didn't have a penalty. There were no penalties paid except by the innocent taxpayers. There were no penalties paid by the people who, who um, created the crisis. Yeah, I read in one of your columns not too long ago that, uh, that if, if a CEO is indicted, uh, the penalties he may have to pay or even the cost of his lawyer, he doesn't pay. The directors and officers insurance often pays for these costs. The company many, many times pays for these costs. Angelo Mozillo is a perfect example. The former chief executive co-founder of Countrywide, one of the most toxic lenders out there, really has created huge problems for especially minorities in this country. He um, was charged with insider trading by the SEC. They settled the case. He didn't admit or deny guilt. All he paid was $22.5 million dollars to uh, civil penalties in the case, he sold stock worth more than $500 million over a period of years at the end of the boom. We are talking about a cost of doing business, something that he has no trouble paying. He happily wrote that check. 
Hey, isn't it interesting how we're hearing from Republicans and Democrats on both sides of the aisle, and they're kind of saying the same thing today? I, I must be some incredible peacemaker. I get all this consensus to occur. You are listening to Straight Talk Wealth Radio, the peace show when it comes to economics. Not really. <laughs> and uh, I'm your host, Bruce Whitey. You are here every Sunday morning at uh, 8 a.m. on KVTA Ventura 1590. Tell your friends about the show, okay? But what you should also do is call in right now to 888 Triple eight 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 two five five seven eight. We'll give you my free report called Inflation or Deflation: America's Monetary System in Crisis. We'll give you Harry Dent's twenty seven eighty book for free called The Demographic Cliff: How to Survive the Next uh, uh, Deflationary Period from 2014 to twenty nineteen. And I'm going to get a copy of this show on CD. So if you didn't hear the whole thing today, you can hear it again. Listen, here's the thing that uh, I want to repeat, because this is really the theme, and, and it's important. We're going over a lot of different facts, but I want to draw this together. First of all, I want you to understand why I'm even covering this topic today of too big to fail in the banking system. Could it happen again? It is not necessarily to give you a whole academic discussion of what the government needs to do or how to regulate banks. It is to draw a line as to how financial and economic failures become sudden and systemic. I mean, the aberration in uh, the Great Depression was that stocks were overvalued and everybody was in. But the danger was that the banks let themselves leverage the entire banking system into the stock market that was phony back then. You know, that margin, if, you know, you could borrow money on margin to buy more stocks. And of course, since everybody could borrow from the banks to buy stocks, because the banks use the stocks as collateral, hello, and then they got more value because there was a, a flood of money going into them, then you could borrow even more. And then when that house of cards falls, oh, guess what? The entire banking system is intertwined into it, as occurred in the real estate market. So, the thing you need to understand is how the role of the banking system plays into these failures because the failures themselves are not so bad until the banks go in. And that's when they go code red. It's when the banks tie in. And we are exploring today, is that risk still there? Are we still tied in in weird ways in the banking system? Now, um, again, you know, the, the, I'm, a, I'm asserting that there's two major essential risks in banking. One is that the basics haven't changed in the banking system sector, the, the, ba the basics. So they can still play games with money. They have not got that Glass-Steagall firewall back up between commercial banks and investment banks. And so banks that are, you know, the little uh, small town, put your money in it safe, have other aspects to them that are doing very risky thing. And we let that firewall down. We haven't put it back up. That's part of the story. Now, what's happening is if banks can still do risky things, then you have quantitative easing where the government tried to fix the last bubble by creating new bubbles, printing $3 trillion. Quantitative easing is the result and the fix of the prior failures, but it's now creating its own unsustainable bubbles that reinflate. So if the banks have not changed and they again are re-leveraged into this new bubble and they haven't pre been prevented from leveraging into the very bubble that was blown back out of the last bubble, as I said before, I think it's a, tidy, a fitting title. We are now chewing on double bubble in this economy. And it'll be great until the house of cards falls. And when the house of cards falls, we're going to find out that the banking system is now 
twice in. So we're going to help you understand some of this because we're going to give you a free copy of the show that you heard today. So if you did not hear the whole show, call 888-882-5578, 888-882-5578. We will give you the whole show on CD so you can hear the whole thing. We're going to give you a copy of Harry Dent's book called The Demographic Cliff, How to Survive the Next Great Deflation of 2014 to 2019. And you're going to get my free report, 40 pages, 45 pages, something like that. It is illustrated so a high school sophomore could understand it. It is called Inflation or Deflation, America's Monetary System in Crisis, and How to Plan for It. And in that report, I give you a strategy to manage both concerns simultaneously in a portfolio. You can have all of that for free when you call 888-882-5578, 888-882-5578. I want to go back to William Isaac, former head of the FDIC, and let him talk a little bit about quantitative easing and the risks that that has presented uh, also. And then we'll wrap it up. I've never liked QE. I think it's been very harmful to the economy and and normalizing things. Keeping rates so low has been very hurtful to retirees uh, and their ability to spend money uh, or even retire. I, a lot of people are staying in the workplace uh, that, that really would be retired if they could get a decent return on their money and opening up jobs for young people where the unemployment rate is so high. So I, I really think that that uh, the, the QE has made caused all sorts of distortions in the marketplace, and we would have been better off without it. I have no problem with the Fed having supplied a lot of liquidity during the crisis, but I, I really believe that its interference with the markets since the crisis abated has not been helpful, has, has done more harm than good. And what about growth in the long run? Do you think the Fed's tactics will harm growth in the long run as well? I think they already have. Uh, I, I believe that businesses are ma- not making investment decisions. Uh, consumers are not making spending decisions because they're, they really don't know what to predict for the future. They've never seen fiscal policies and monetary policies like we have today. And it's, and, and it's very hard to, de- to determine what's going to happen uh, to the economy, what's going to happen with inflation, what's going to happen with interest rates. And uh, people really... Um, uh, there's so much uncertainty. People are afraid to spend, and they're and they're uh, or or invest. And I think that's happening. I think it has it has retarded the economy. We should have had a faster recovery than we've had. Uh, and there's no, there's no way to prove that. I'm I'm just you know people will argue both sides of that issue. I'm just giving you my opinion. It has been hurtful to the economy more than it has been helpful. U.S. stocks recently had been on a record-setting surge, but then seemed to hit a speed bump. Do you think that the market will continue to set more record highs, or is it poised for a fall? I, I don't know. I don't. I don't understand why the market's up as far as it is. Except that the Fed put interest rates so low that people really didn't have very many alternatives for their money. I, I don't understand what caused the market to to go up from ten thousand to, to fifteen thousand, other than Federal Reserve policies, uh, the QE two and three and all that. Um, I, I don't understand why the market made that big move, other than the fact that there weren't any alternatives, and so that scares me when a market is is being artificially impacted by the actions of a government agency, actions that can't continue forever. So I am very, very concerned. I don't, I don't trust any markets right now because of the, the, the fiscal and monetary policies that we've never before witnessed, and we know they can't continue. We can't keep on spending the kind of money we're spending, and the Fed can't keep on pumping up its balance sheet the way it has been. And so um, uh, there's, it, it's really hard to predict where things go, and I, I know everybody would like to hear a good solid prediction, but I don't know how you make one, because we're doing things we've never done before, and we know they can't continue forever, and we don't know what happens when they end. Things do seem to be 
slowing down in the developing countries. Uh, I'm not sure what category I'd put China in because it's already pretty developed, but it, the things are slowing down in China and other countries. And Europe is in a is in a deeper funk than we thought and are expected. That has to impact the U.S. If those trends continue, we are not an island unto ourselves. We're, we, we will be impacted by that, and it will be negative. Um, so I, I, I do think that now is a time for people to be cautious with their money. Just be careful where you're putting it. Hey, we're out of here. I wish I could give you a lot more on solution, 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 but you're going to get plenty of solutions if you just call and you get the materials from us. 888-882-5578. 888-882-5578. You heard William Isaac say, be safe with your money. That does not mean get 0.1% at the bank or point whatever. It means that you can be safe. If you listen to this show regular, we have presented solutions six to eight, and then sometimes in double-digit returns with no market risk. All of that, and not just one way, several ways that we are doing it. You'll get it when you order my reports, 888-882-5578, 888-882-5578. You're going to get Harry Dent's book, The uh, the demographic cliff uh that is 2780 down as barnes and noble in ventura we're giving it away for free you'll get my report called inflation or deflation america's monetary system in crisis and how to plan for it and you will also get a cd copy of the entire show today so if you missed any of it we'll get it to you 888 888-882-5578. 888-882-5578. We'll see you next week. Tune back in to Straight Talk Wealth Radio. Triple Eight, Eight Talk Straight. See you soon. Content of Straight Talk Wealth Radio is for educational purposes only. Any discussion of financial products and their features is subject to change without notice. Consult your own tax, legal, or financial advisor as to your specific situation. Tax-free benefit specialists and insurance services. California license 0E48147.